In the 16th century, a man named Nicholas Copernicus changed everything. Until that point, most people had believed that the Earth was at the centre of the universe and that everything revolved around us. So the sun and the stars and the planets all revolved around little old planet Earth. But Copernicus helped everyone realise that actually the sun is at the centre of the solar system and we revolve around it. Now, this discovery was huge. In fact, the church of the day called it heresy. We couldn't believe that we're not at the centre. It's called the Copernican Revolution. And as we begin a new series today, I think we're going to discover another Copernican revolution. Because through this series, over the next few weeks, we're going to come face to face with something very similar. That the story of our lives is way bigger than we imagine. That we are not at the centre. And as we come face to face with that, we'll discover quite how good news that really is. So over these next weeks, we're going to be looking at some of the biggest questions that we all ask from time to time. Questions about where do I find meaning in life? What's my purpose? What am I here for? Or who am I? Questions around our relationships. Why are they so beautiful and yet so painful? Why do I feel so ashamed? Questions around why is there so much wrong in the world? And where do I find true value? Huge questions. And to help us with those, we're going back to the very, very beginning of the Bible. The opening few chapters of the book of Genesis right at the start of the Bible. And whether or not you'd call yourself a Christian, whether or not church is something that is on your radar, you are welcome to join us as we explore what it means to be human. And the reason we're doing it now is because as society is sort of changing and we're, we're throughout this year beginning to ask big questions around what the future looks like, it's important to get back to the basics, back to some foundations that are so crucial that when we discover those foundations, it enables us to plot and to rebuild for the future of our lives healthily and in a strong way. So you're welcome to join us over the next number of weeks. And as part of this, we're delighted that Stuart Tonge, who's part of the Riverside Church family, has created three pieces of art for us. Beautiful pieces that draw some of the themes that we'll be looking at. And so they'll kind of weave in and out of this series over the next few weeks. And we want to say a huge thank you to Stuart for your hard work and your talent in creating these. And we've called it human because that word says something really important. The word human comes from the idea of being from the dust. That's what the word means. It's where we get our word humour or, you know, the food hummus from. And actually, there's two things that it helps us realise. We're created from dust, as it were. And that idea helps us discover that we are not God. We're created we're not the centre. But at the same time, we're not just dust. We're more important, more valuable than we ever realised. Those two things help set us on a really beautiful course. 
And so today, we're going back to the very, very beginning of this ancient document. We're going to look at the very opening words, words that have actually changed history and formed the bedrock for our society in ways that we have taken for granted. And so let's jump in as we explore the very opening words of Genesis chapter 1. The writer begins, in the beginning, God. Now, those words change everything. Because for so long, people have grappled with the first chapter of Genesis and tried to sort of set it up against science as though, you know, science says this about the universe and chapter one of Genesis says this, and almost this war between science and the Bible. But actually, the Bible is saying something very, very different to many of the questions we actually have of it. And those opening words show us why. In the beginning, God. This document is not about the how of the universe or, or the what of the creation, but it's about the who. Rather than being some sort of science textbook that you'd have at school, actually, this is something way bigger. This is about the who behind it all. And the original writer is making something very, very clear. That rather than this universe being some accident, rather than this beautiful world being some mistake or some kind of natural byproduct, actually it's intended, it's created, there's a beauty to it that means it's valuable, which therefore means you and I have meaning and value and worth. And there's a number of things that this opening chapter of Genesis 1 reveal to us that change so much in our thinking. And the first is this. Do you notice, and did you notice as we were reading through, what the verse says about God? In the beginning, God created. That word is important because it shows intent. God created this. Now, at the time of writing Genesis, there were lots of different ideas that people had about the universe. There were ideas that the gods had a sort of battle, and out of that, the sort of natural thing came the universe. Or some that it was sort of almost, they, they produced the earth for food for the gods. And in contrast to that, the writer of Genesis is saying, no, 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 no. There weren't loads of gods in the beginning, one God, and this God created, intended, purposed the universe into being. And I think that is so important, that word created, because it shows us that everything that we see in the world around us is part of a bigger story. It's not an accident. Friends, you are not an accident. There is a beauty and a dignity in everything that we see. The other day at home, uh, we dropped uh, some, a piece of crockery and it smashed on the floor. Uh, and I guess we've all done that from time to time. You know, you might have dropped a glass and it shattered into bits. Uh, have you ever seen it done the other way around? Where bits of broken glass have been dropped on the floor and they've joined together to form a beautiful glass. Or some china has been thrown on and it's formed a lovely cup. Of course not. Why? Well, it works the other way around, doesn't it? 
so often many of us in our society believe that about the universe, that kind of almost out of nothing, the beauty that we see appears. And frankly, I don't think any of us really believe that. I mean, where does it all come from? Where does the beauty come from? It's the equivalent of believing that we throw broken bits of glass and it forms something beautiful that just fits and works. It doesn't happen like that, does it? And of course, where does the glass come from in the first place? No, the opening words of Genesis remind us there is something bigger going on. Something, someone behind all of this. Uh, we've just had Christmas. And many who would say they're not believers in God kind of find the idea of the virgin birth kind of almost fanciful. You know, that doesn't happen, does it? And yet for many of us in society, we're quite happy to believe in the virgin cosmos, <laughs> as though that all of this came from nothing. And yet we struggle with the virgin birth. Uh, the truth is we all believe in miracles. <laughs> it's just choose your miracle. We all have faith because there's something way bigger that we have to trust there's something else going on. And that word, in the beginning God created, shows that there's a beauty and there's an intentionality about it which changes everything. The second is this. The God who created is powerful. And as you look down Genesis, you can see the way it's written. There's an order to it. And there's a power to it. Do you notice every kind of few lines as and God said this and God said this and God said this and God said this. And what God says happens. The God who is behind all this is powerful. The words that are used, God called it. He saw it. In other words, he is the one behind it. He is the one who intends it. There's a power to this God. And I think that's helpful because it both helps us realise something about him, but it also helps us discover something about us. We all know we're limited. This coronavirus pandemic, has, I think for many of us, helped us see something shocking. We're not in control of our destiny. We can't even control a tiny microscopic bug that has floored the planet. We're not as powerful and impressive as we think. And this opening chapter of Genesis helps us discover that. There is a God behind it all who created and crafted it, and he is powerful. But there's a third thing that this opening chapter of Genesis helps us realise. In that power, there is an order. Now, as you go through uh, the opening chapter of Genesis, you can see, even if just by looking at the, the text in the Bible, it's written in a very particular way. It, it's, it's, a, it's a very poetic bit of literature. You can see the way it kind of slightly margined in and there's a kind of order to it. God said, he created first day. God said, created second day and so on. And that helps us discover that there's something else going on. Rather than this being a kind of clear textbook of the how of creation, no, there is an order to the creation that this bit of the Bible is showing us. Even the word day, you know, there's several days that, that, uh, that, uh, that are mentioned. 
That word day has been often considered in three different ways. Some people view it as a 24-hour period. Whereas I'm not sure that can be the case because even the Bible itself talks in other places about, you know, one day being like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. Others have seen it being a sort of eras as though kind of there were several eras that were created. I'm not sure either of those are what, what the writer is actually referring to, but rather that there's a sort of an order to it. It just works fits together. I mean, we live in a country where there's seasons. And so you can clearly see every year there's seasons. And even though they're different from time to time, there's still this time of year is colder and the summer is a bit warmer. It just works. I remember when um, Claire, my wife, was pregnant, us being utterly amazed when you think about it, of the whole miracle of birth and the whole miracle of humans creating other humans, even with our technology. We can't do that from nothing. And yet it just happens kind of naturally. It all fits together. It works. There's an order to it that helps us realize something about the one behind it. So that's the next thing. But there's something else about this God that is at the center of this story. He cares. The very opening words uh, have a lovely phrase that I think is kind of mystical, but is lovely. Verse two, Genesis chapter one. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. That word hovering, we kind of, but actually in the original language, it's more the word that you'd use for an eagle flying above its nest, kind of hovering and nurturing, caring for the young. This God cares. It's not as if he just sort of set the world in motion and then disappeared. No, he cares. There is an interaction, a relationship between God and the universe that he has created. And of course, that's important because it helps us discover that you and I are not on our own. There is a God. We're part of his story and he cares for you, for me and for this creation. But there's another thing about this God that is behind all of this in this passage. And it's this. The world, the universe, and you and I are valued. Did you notice as the passage was read to us how God describes this creation? Time and time again, we read the words, and God saw that it was good. That's important. Because right at the beginning of the Bible, there is a value given to the world we live in. And there's a value given to you and to me. If we remove him from the picture, the world just is. You and I are just here. And therefore, why do we have to treat the world carefully? After all, it's just there. And more sinister, in a more sinister way, perhaps. Why do we need to treat other people as valuable and important? But God says it's good. There is a value to it. The other day at home, we uh, had a shocking uh, evening when we heard from our guinea pig cage some squeaks. 
at a time where we don't normally hear it. And Claire went out to the guinea pig cage and in the cage was a rat. And the rat was freaking out and had bitten one of the guinea pigs. Now, it was a shock and we had to deal with it. And fortunately at the moment, they're both okay. But the rat was in a bit of a mess. Now, if there is no God, the rat was just doing what the rat does. It's fine. Rat was stronger than the guinea pig and it was fine. That's what rats do. And in the same way, if God is out the picture, why can't societies do what they want? But of course, at the beginning of the Bible, we discover there's a value in everything. That's even where we get our human rights from. We remove God from it. Why can't a particular society choose what it wants to do? Why can't we choose what we want to do for the sake of our planet now? Because I want to just destroy it. Why not? But actually God saw and it was good. And so therefore we are called to treat our planet with care and respect. And also we're called to treat each other with care and respect. But There's something else in these opening words about this creation. And it's this. He's the God who speaks. Do you notice how this creation is done? And God said, and God said, and God said, and God said. This God isn't distant. He's the God who speaks, relates. And I guess for some of us, we have known that. We may not be able to kind of hear his voice as we might hear my voice now. But deep down, we know that we have sensed something in our life. And even perhaps during this coronavirus pandemic, we've known there's questions that it has brought up, niggling issues, concerns or thoughts about life and if there's more to life than what we see. Maybe God has been gently speaking to you. That's what this series is about. It's about little old you, little old me more valuable than we ever imagined because we're part of a much bigger story. And right at the beginning, it's important for us to get our bearings because if the story is about God, then the natural question is, is how does God fit into our lives, into our society? Because it's only as we put him back where he should be that we get the right order of everything. And in a time of global crisis, where huge questions are being asked about the future, it's important that he is at the center because it's he's the creator. And therefore, if we follow the way that his creation was intended to be, then everything will be way more healthy and thrive way more. And so the question is this, where does this God feature in your story at the moment? The writer Julian Barnes said a beautiful thing many years ago. He said, I don't believe in God, but I miss him. I think he's echoing something that many of us in society realise. That we think we've kind of have got no space for God. And we've kind of done away with that old religion. And yet, honestly, 
we look around us, look at our lives, and we ask the question, is it all working? I guess many of us would say, I don't think it is. And for many of us, we miss God. In a moment, as I come to a close, we're going to listen to a beautiful poem from an Irish poet called Dennis O'Driscoll. He's a secular poet with some really powerful words. It's called Missing God. And my hope and prayer for myself and for you as we begin this series is that in a time of huge change and huge uncertainty, that actually we would discover our part in a way bigger story and we'll find the freedom and the hope and the real joy in God being at the centre. So let's listen to this poem and then I'll pray for us as at the end. His grace is no longer called for before meals. Farmed fish multiply without his intercession. Bread production rises through disease-resistant grains devised scientifically to mitigate his faults. Yet, though we rebelled against him like adolescents, uplifted to see an oppressive father banished, a bearded hermit, to the desert, we confess to missing him at times. Miss him during the civil wedding when, at the blossoming altar of the registrar's desk, we wait in vain to be fed a line containing words like everlasting and divine. Miss him when the TV scientist explains the cosmos through equations, leaving our planet to revolve on its axis aimlessly, a wheel skidding in snow. Miss him when the radio catches a snatch of plain chant from some equi priory. When the gospel choir raises its collective voice to ask, shall we gather at the river? Or the forces of the oratorio converge on, I know that my Redeemer liveth, and our contracted hearts lose a beat. Miss him when a choked voice at the crematorium recites the poem about fearing no more the heat of the sun. Miss him when we stand in judgment on a lank crucifixion in an art museum its stripe-like ribs testifying to rank. Miss him when the gamma rays recorded on the satellite graph seem arranged in their celestial score, the music of the spheres, the Ave Verum Corpus of the observatory lab. Miss him when we stumble in the breast lump for the first time and an involuntary prayer escapes our lips. When a shadow crosses our bodies on an x-ray screen, when we receive a transfusion of foaming blood sacrificed anonymously to save life. Miss him when we exclaim his name spontaneously in awe or anger as a woman in a birth ward calls to her long-dead mother. Miss him when the linen-covered dining table holds warm bread rolls, shiny glasses of red wine. Miss him when a dove swoops from the orange grove in a tourist village, just as the monastery bell begins to take its toll. Miss him when our journey leads us under leaves of gothic tracery, an arch of overlapping branches that meet like hands 
in Michelangelo's creation. Miss him when trudging past the church we catch a residual blast of incense, a perfume on par with the fresh baked loaf which Milos compared to happiness. Miss him when our newly fitted kitchen comes in shaker style and we order a matching set of Mother Anne Lee chairs. Miss him when we listen to the prophecy of astronomers that the visible galaxies will recede as the universe expands. Miss him when the sunset makes its presence felt in the stained glass window of the fake antique lounge bar. Miss him the way an uncoupled glider riding the evening thermals misses its tug. Miss him as the lovers shrugging shoulders outside the cheap hotel ponder what their next move should be. Even feel nostalgic odd days for his second coming like standing in the brick dome of a dovecote after the birds have flown. Should we pray together? Lord, my life is in your hands. God, I realize that my life is part of something much bigger. Please help me to put you at the center. Please forgive me for living as though I'm God. And Lord God, I choose to trust in you as God. Lead me forwards, I pray in Jesus' name.